Welcome back, everyone. Today on the B-Sides, I'm joined by Omri Cohen, co-founder and COO of Yachtpo, a centaur in the Bessemer portfolio. And we're going to talk about a critical debate that nearly every Israeli startup encounters at some point in the journey, and that is founders moving to the United States. In this 30-minute conversation, Omri and I talk about why, when, and how, what works, and what doesn't. Let's get to it. Thanks so much for being with us today. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. And I guess I should have a disclaimer that Yacht was a Bessemer portfolio company, and it's been a pleasure to work with you guys. And I was actually just mentioning to Ophir that I met you and Tomer, I think in 2014, when you were part of Explore. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I had done an internship with Rui Oron at Plus Ventures. Really? And there was this one event, I remember, I forget where it was, and I'd met you and Tomer, and I just, like, you guys were awesome. And then I went back, and I finished school, and then I joined Stripes Group. And when I was at Stripes, I had met Tomer in New York for the Series A, I believe, and the Series B, and we never got over the line in terms of investing. And then when I joined Bessemer, I was so excited, like, okay, great, I finally get to work with these guys seven years later. So it's a lot of fun for me to be here with you. Cool. Yeah, same here. Speaking of being in New York and and meeting Tomer, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was uh, the idea of Israeli founders building their companies here in Israel, but going to market in the U.S., and Mm -hmm. almost always founders enter this dilemma of where should the founders be? Should they be kind of close to R&D and maybe product as well in Israel and with the majority of the team, Mm -hmm. or going out to the U.S., and, uh, you know, making sure that they're more customer-facing and partnership-facing, et cetera. And you guys, I imagine, had to engage in that dilemma at some point. Definitely. Definitely. Um, but maybe before we get into that, just a, a bit about your background before starting Yotpo. Yeah, so, um, so Yotpo was the first company for both me and Tomer, actually. We met at school, and I think, so we were in engineering degree in Tel Aviv University. And I think that just out of the third year of the degree, which is a four-year program, we just started working on stuff and one of them just turned out to be uh, more successful than the, than the others and at the end of the day, we, we built Yotpo around it. But no, basically, previous background other than uh, so Yotpo for mm-hmm. uh, the last uh, almost decade, more than a decade actually now. But in the army service, I mean... In the army service, yes, but... Uh, but you uh, weren't an engineer there. No. What both of it? us, we both were uh, combat uh, soldiers. Infa- I was infantry and Tomer was artillery. I think this is how you translate it. So you wanted to start a company. That was kind of the, you wanted yeah, to do something. Yeah, and we were, we were really focused on uh, just uh, starting something for our own. We just, uh, I think both of us, we didn't fit into just a regular, uh, he was at Intel, I was at another uh, startup doing, doing home automation systems, a company in uh, Erzelia. And it didn't really, really was a fit. So uh, yeah, we figured we just uh, probably partner. And, uh, but it's, Previous to that, it was like a really good friendship that we turned and nice. kind of, yeah. And that was, what year was that, your third year of, of university? 12, 12 years ago? <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's a long journey. Yeah, it is. Did it not is. expect it to turn out the way it did, I guess. Yeah. Right, yeah. And that's probably what you told your investors. We're going to build a big company. Eventually, we're going to go public. And yeah, yeah, yeah. All the time. All wow. the time. We were uh, pretty consistent with what we've been communicating. But yeah, seeing it uh, growing and succeeding, it's uh, it's quite a journey indeed. By the way, in terms of consistency, and this is a little off topic, I just remember every time I met with you and Tomer from the Series A, Series B, Series C, two things stood out. Number one, the culture that you both live and breathe and permeates the organization. But number two is every time you guys presented a plan and came back six months or a year later, you, you were exactly on plan. You yeah. know, and the plans weren't overly ambitious or like underwhelming. 
they were just somehow like you you hit the revenue numbers and you you hit the burn numbers it was it was amazing yeah yeah until 2021 but they <laughs> well no one could expect what happened yeah, 2021 was uh, was a ridiculous year and uh, but yes yes i think we and it all gets back I believe to what you really care about and how you how you invest I think uh, we are really spending a lot of time on how we plan how we're making the business more predictable and uh, it gets together with then how you execute so mm-hmm. um, and I want uh, so I want to focus in on this topic of you know where founders need to be where is early founders need to be and I'm sure you know you and Tomer probably get questions all the time from founders at the seed stage or later stages at this point because they can look mm-hmm. up to you as, as folks who have been there before. on um, where where should the founder be i mean yeah. you, thankfully you're you're a co-founding team so you could split up mm-hmm. have one of you in the us one in israel but how long into the yotpo journey did did tomer move out to the us and how yeah. important was that decision mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i'll give i think a, a bit of a more uh, a background and i think it all starts when where the the product was closer to ready I think this is like a, you know a point in time when you start to kind of look up take your head out of the I, I was managing the R&D and like we kind of uh, uh, looked up a bit and and started to okay what's next how we take that uh, that product to market we back then developed very close to Shopify so just initial distribution of the product was rather straightforward by the way like it is today maybe a bit less noise in the in the app market and Shopify ecosystem but basically like you just build a product you put it in the app market and you know traction is starting to uh, to emerge and for us it was always okay how we are taking it to the next level how we scale out or scale up the operation and uh, getting like speaking of plans and hitting the plans and revenue targets then how we get to the how we are constantly unlocking the next uh, revenue so how do we get to that 10 million in year and then how we get to the 25 how do we get to the 50 Um, and at one point so we, we've been experimenting a lot right so the go-to market uh, for us just first time founders was very uh, experimental I, I would call it like that uh, the beginning so a lot of trial and error a lot of uh, iterations on like what's working what's not working and uh, by the way that's uh, until this very recent day like we're still quite shocked on like yotpo real uh, advantage today I think is the Truly is go to market like the go to market is very very strong and very non-trivial for just two engineers uh, co-founders to mm-hmm. to build um, so I think first of all may- maybe the first answer is just depending on the life cycle of or, or the point in time in the life cycle of a company on like where exactly you want to position yourself as a CEO uh, and it was clear for us that the first few years until we got to a decent product market fit we probably better spend it close to R&D, mm-hmm. close to product and do it out of Israel. So we were both in Israel for the first maybe five or, or six years of the company, which is not so trivial. But at that point in the, in the lifetime, Yapo's customer base, I guess, was primarily that Shopify ecosystem, Absolutely. the SMB, who, who, in doesn't the United need, States. who doesn't need high touch, you know, let us walk you through the product. And so most of them, you're right. But then I think that back in, uh, was it 2013, 2014, inside sales was... definitely the next motion and and people were but and, and PLG that only became like the coin was turned right. only like a much uh, the, a much later but um, yes Yotpo was majority of the leads and majority of the people who already started using the product but then like we were uh, selling against competitors that you know they did have a de- demo capabilities inside sales motion 
And we need, needed to, as we won, went up market, we needed to catch up with, the, with those techniques. So this is what we did. And we started doing that out of Israel. So we, we've been experimenting with a small sales force out of Tel Aviv, working in US hours. Mm-hmm. Never works, by the way, in my opinion. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. The reason... Even though there's such a population of you know, fluent American-born yeah, I think, speakers. I, I, I think that the population is not enough. I think that what you're asking from these people is uh, like uh, what matters. And you're basically asking them to work uh, Monday to Friday. You're asking them to start to come to work at, say, 4 p.m. 2 p.m. Yeah. 2, so 2 p.m. is like the, the earliest that you can. And already there, like you're only starting to cover the, the East Coast. If you really want to get decent coverage for the entire continent, then you need to have them work until, I don't know, like 11? Right. At least. 10 p.m. at least, right? And even then, you're not quite optimized. And I think that the end result of that, even if you're able to put together and you have, by the way, a lot of discipline, for go-to-market, like to establish an effective go-to-market, you need to have a lot of discipline anyway, but in this case, even more so. But we discovered that that's not enough. Why? Because the talent pool that you're really addressing, so the good people, like the uh, A players from that, talent that you just characterize that people who are fluent in English, blah, blah, blah. They just won't come to work when they need to work these hours. They need to work like half of the half of the weekend, Interesting. basically. It's like a self-selecting group in a certain e- sense. Exactly, exactly. So so we discovered that, uh, yeah, we are just better off, uh, you know, uh, if we really want to start experiment with a true go-to-market, we're just better off just kick it off the New York office and the New York office, I think we kicked it off in 2015 mm-hmm. with none of us on the ground. So we really, we went there a lot. Uh, one of the VCs back in the days, they even conditioned one of the investments in, okay, you guys, like you need to move to New York. Interesting. Yeah. We don't see that as much anymore. Yeah. But I, I remember that being kind of more. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think that that's right that we're not seeing that as a, like a, as an investor condition, requirement right. or condition. Yeah, it's, uh, it doesn't make any sense because every company does have a unique circumstances under which they're operating. And you're seeing many Israeli, other Israeli companies that they don't have, they, for sure not the founders, but they even, mm-hmm. the they, they go-to-market operation outside of Israel was a follower years after they were successful. Not in the Yotpo case though. So we, we had to start our office uh, 2015 and we did it with none of us on the ground just for uh, just personal circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have a general manager there? Yeah. Someone you trust? that? Yeah, so, so this is exactly where we started to experiment, right? So we, we brought in the first VP of sales. We actually relocated the guy from Australia because he was uh, from Australia to the States because we had a good connection. Didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, we figured that we need probably someone who, who is easier to communicate with. And we bought someone who was an Harvard graduate mm-hmm. uh, to kind of start, uh, start the office there. Uh, and then we started to build. Israeli connection? His Israeli connection, okay. I think. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, uh, not quite sure how we got to him. Um, and then we started to iterate. So we started to add layers and layers. And eventually when it got big enough, so it may made sense back in the days to start change the gravity of the company management a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we basically, from, say, 2017 onwards, until, by the way, this very recent day, we are still in transitioning. So today, the company, fast forward, say, six or seven years from then, uh, the company is a real dual headquartered company with one of us, Tomer, is there, mm-hmm. and half of management is here and half of management is there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're getting back to the necessity, I think that, Again, really depends on, on the timing. Really depends on what you're up to and what are your current challenges. And then lastly, uh, would you have to build it around? And sometimes I think uh, you can do it not with the founder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like in our uh, first two years in, in marketing in New York. 
And that, so that's interesting because you had already built you built the office before having one of you two mm-hmm. on the ground, and and obviously looking for somebody that you trust that could build the organization there. At a certain point, it becomes, I guess, its own beast that requires management to be there. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely, that, that's exactly the case. And me and Tomer, I remember, like we've been taking for the first two years, we've been taking shifts. So one one week, me there, and the other week, Tomer is there. And like, so we spend basically two weeks out of four in a month uh, that one of us is on the ground. And yeah, that takes a relatively big toll on the, yeah. but even on after, the family still. On, on the family, for <laughs> sure. But even afterwards, like even after the operation, and uh, Tomer was there, we, we had to go back and forth. And I spent, I think, up... Uh, uh, before we got to COVID, I spent like one week every month in mm. uh, yeah, in the States. So, um, and that was sort of so management could be together. So you guys would spend more time. Management can, can be together. And, and you also the, manage a tremendous amount of the team. Exactly. In the US. Exactly. So you have your senior managers there. Just people need to see you. Uh, and that's like for them to see you, you need to be there because they, it makes more sense than right. for them to come to Israel. But being present on the ground wherever customers are. Uh, How important was it, you know, in terms of the partnership? I know Yapo has very strong partnership relationships with folks like Shopify and others in the ecosystem. How important was that physical presence of management? Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm not quite sure if uh, Shopify specifically, I think that Shopify is also like operating relatively remote from, from the market, even though Toronto is like just uh, right. around the corner, but uh, from New York at least, but still there. But I think it does play an important role the role for for other partnerships definitely as well as for customers you know when customers are hearing that you have a big office in it just this is the perception that we needed to have back back then when we challenged big company in the days that right. uh, they were uh, they were ruling the the user generated content category mm-hmm. and so it kind of sounds like it was necessary for yachtpo to have a go-to-market in the u.s because inside mm-hmm. sales was becoming core to the go-to-market is there much outbound these days these days, yes, and also back then, yeah. All outbound is always uh, something that we like. Not majority, but definitely an important portion of revenues is coming from outbound activities. Mm-hmm. Yes, it may be hard for you to step out of the shoes of the Yachtpo, you know, founding team, and think mm-hmm. about other types of businesses, you know. But if you were strictly performance marketing driven, would you think it's more or less important to be in the U.S. <coughs> or so the, probably like less less necessary. I think that also like Israel became really rich in uh, in some of the talent pools that we have. So for instance, performance marketing Israel is probably like one of the best talent pools on on the planet, mm-hmm. probably. Um, and definitely in a concentration and and in a way like that you can evaluate the talent. So it makes probably like more sense. But even then, I think that you you at some point you're getting to a to a stage that uh, just unlock a wider, more, more diverse talent pool is a necessity for any business. So don't put it in the States, have it in, uh, in Europe somewhere. Or, but mm-hmm. I think just being too fixed to, to Israel for a matured, scaled out operations, right. it's becoming a limitation. Right. Limitation. You know, we've got founders in the cyber landscape or in the cloud infrastructure landscape where there is a lot of kind of more encouragement early on to go out to mm-hmm. to New York, to the West Coast, to have more of that presence, probably because of a lot of it is going to be that person-to-person, mm-hmm. you know, deeper partnerships or larger enterprise-type deals that do require kind of a presence or at least the thought that there's a real presence in the U.S. For sure, and it makes, uh, for me at least, it makes a lot of sense. I think that um, just being, being out there, it creates, uh, it just removes some of the friction that you have, and you have a lot of friction when you're putting together a business. Uh, it just removes... Some of it, 
Did you, um, did you guys feel like an unlock when when Tomer moved over in 2017? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think that, uh, you know, it was uh, an operation that was critical path for us, like all revenues. Right. Think about like 100% of revenues are coming from a region that you don't have a true footprint on. So you're really dependent on managers, you're really dependent on, mm-hmm. now we can get into philosophy of how to manage, the, to, to manage scaled out uh, teams. But I think, yes, that just, made us feel more secure than that uh, a lot of the risk is, uh, w- was removed when, mm-hmm. when Stormer was there. I guess there's also a cultural implication of having the people that define the culture exactly. be at a part of the decision-making of a material mm-hmm. you know, portion of the organization in the U.S. Yeah. and making sure that that same culture Absolutely. you guys are so proud of. Absolutely, absolutely. Culture is also like a very, very important part of it. By the way, for, you, you need to spend a lot of time on like the first, if you, it's not you uh, early on the ground and uh, because, because like God knows, right? Like there are many circumstances for fa- founders, especially not for first timers where you still have your family at, uh, right. at early stages also. Then you're willing to do great choice uh, of uh, whoever you put on yeah. in charge of the office. How did you guys decide who was, I mean, this is probably a personal question. How did you decide who was going to go? No, it wasn't, uh, I don't know, Tom, for Tomer, it was uh, uh, pretty clear that he's, uh, uh, that he's going. I think that uh, also like a lot of what he's doing, uh, the outfacing, all of that, it made more sense to sit, uh, mm-hmm. uh, to sit in New York, but never an easy decision, for mm-hmm. sure. And did you ever have the thought process to go as well and kind of have both of you Probably, there, and or? by the way, up to this recent day, like we're still considering on like what does it look, look. Today, the operation is like, Yotpo is currently on uh, maybe four main geographies and then we have more subsidiaries in right. many others. So we have Sofia after an acquisition, we have London with around 50 people, we have Australia with 20, we have the Philippines with 120. Mm-hmm. So uh yeah, just in Israel, we have three locations. So I think that by definition, the company and the span of control got uh, uh, more distributed. Nice. So you do need to spend time with people on the ground, but it became now with, the, I don't know, just cost the 1,000 employees mark. Wow. Yeah, so um, it's important, but it's a bit of a different game that we are now playing. That's a whole other discussion I want to have around. I remember, you know, you mentioned three locations just in Israel and the Philippines and Australia. And, and you guys said were very early on in terms of offshoring or mm-hmm. additional centers. But again, it, it's really having this trust in the management in, in each absolutely. of them, having kind of the, not necessarily absolutely. a hierarchy, but, but a, yeah, a stable absolutely. structure. Absolutely. And we've been iterating a lot on management. That's quite a, a bit of a different topic. We've been iterating quite a lot. And, uh, but yeah, also been very lucky to get people, uh, especially by the way, on the acquisition Mm-hmm. acquisitions that we made mm-hmm. i think we really had like spot on founders that uh, are with us up to this uh, mm-hmm. up to this day so uh, yeah. it really helped us to to juggle yeah. this whole thing on, on a related topic one of the things and this can maybe be its own episode at some point but some of our founders always discuss okay we have r&d in israel that's a given and then we've got to go to market in the u.s and there's a question of where where should products sit should products sit close to home with r&d or should it sit more customer facing and kind of make sure that we're really understanding the needs yeah, of the customer. Yeah, and what decision did, did Yachtpill make? In- so first of all, we are dividing. We have product and then we have product marketing who are responsible for, to, to be kind of more of the connecting tissue. By the way, I think that communication between product and the, and the market, let it be customers or partnerships or whatever, that's really, really important to have like with, with, with no means, like no uh, intermediaries in, in the middle. So uh, right. Um, really try to, to do that. But then, then on the other end, really try to keep 
product close to, to engineering, which is another... Uh, so our operating, kind of atomic operating unit is product, design, content, and uh, engineering. Mm. And they will sit at the same geolocation. And in, in New York, in the market, we have product marketing who are responsible, like basically, the, again, are the connecting tissue between product, both for inbound activities as well as for outbound activities. And by the way, this is something that we, we are re-evaluating mm. constantly. Yeah, actually, we are in the midst of re-evaluating it now. Whether we need, whether we can gain from having product, we got to a certain level of maturity that we can gain of having product directly in, in, uh, in market. When we just got started and just, uh, I think, part of what you need to do in, in managing it, it's like constantly simplify it and just putting right. product in New York just seemed back in the days like a complication. Right. Um, There's an extra thing to manage and exactly. in communication between R&D and product. But once you get to a certain level of maturity, exactly. you could start experimenting more. Exactly. And also, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not really familiar with too many successful examples of kind of taking apart product, like core product work and, right. and engineering. Well, that, that, that's why I bring it up because I think in, in recent years, in the last two years or so, I have had many founders come to me and say, you know, we, we're really thinking about having product more customer facing. But I've, my inclination has always been, well, it, it's so tied to R&D, especially in these, in these initial you know, stages of the company that like you don't want to have a delay in that in completely. that communication and completely. sort of like broken completely. telephone completely i think i think at the end of the day is just how you move quicker right that's like what you usually start you find yourself optimized for speed and specifically in in product and how you ship products to time to market and for us by the way never experimented with the other way around so having product actually in the market so you can i think there are definitely some uh, advantages for that but for us, just, uh, I don't know, it was uh, just, as, as you said, like another thing to manage uh, that we just had too many. So mm-hmm. I really wanted to avoid. I'm seeing product marketing becoming an increasingly critical role. And, and folks are hiring that role even sure. earlier and earlier on, mm-hmm. probably to, to solve a lot of these, you know, Absolutely. questions. Absolutely. Product marketing is a key, yeah, definitely. It's a key role. If done right, it's also like serving as a, a kind of a hub for strategy. As well, so really, uh, help the business be steered to, right. to the right direction. Right? It's, uh, and, and aside for any um, hiring mishaps, are there any regrets or any things you would have done differently in terms of building the US team? Would you have done it earlier? Would you have done it later? Um, would you have question. built it in Denver and not in New York? That's a good question. I think um, so. Definitely, the the location within the states is not. Is, I don't think that it's a regret. Like, and, and we've been experimenting like with the Utah office and uh, when, when challenges uh, hit our door, then we usually uh, try to adjust and solve for them. All of those experiments ended in a more, again, once again, complex or complicated operation that we then needed to kind of re-simplify. So we had to shut down a Utah office, uh, etc. And by, by the way, we also had the Boston office after the acquisition, which mm-hmm. we merged to New York. Right. Um, Again, they, just not managing extra, adding, exactly. adding extra levels of, of management. Exactly, exactly. Um, and New so York is a direct flight. I'm sure that's a huge advantage. Yeah, that's a huge advantage. And also, like, the time difference is manageable. San Francisco is, like, uh, also, like, in right. terms of talent, in SaaS specifically, 
doesn't make any sense. I always get asked questions of, should we go to New York or San Francisco? And I actually point to Yapo as an example, just like it, it works in New York. I mean, no, for sure, for sure. I do think that there are some areas, some businesses that you'd probably want to be closer into where the real hype is going. But I think with, again, with a company that is primarily solving for e-commerce, knowing that most e-commerce giants are actually outside of New York. So let it be B-commerce, Magento, or... Uh, Obviously, Shopify are all out of uh, San Francisco, so the, n- none of them are in the valley. Right. Um, oh, outside of San Francisco. Out, outside of San Francisco, right, right. all of them. Yeah, so Big right. is in Texas, Magento, mm-hmm. God knows where, I'm not <laughs> quite sure, but, uh, and Shopify, Shopify is in Canada, Toronto, right, right. obviously. Yeah. And I hear and, the Bahamas too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, now with COVID, I think that now everyone will get back, slowly get back. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, I, I think that also like, our relocation or, or Thomas' relocation was just at, uh, at, the, at the right timing when we mm-hmm. got, the product was matured and there was a true necessity to to get to the right. States. And uh, Could it have been too early? I mean, not this one, but do you think, you know, if one of you left right after the seed, you know, where things Yeah, definitely been, can be too early. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. I think it affects with many things that uh, sometimes are just very hard to uh, to appreciate or to, to even evaluate. Uh, like... Uh, let it be founders' relationship. Yeah, I was going to say and the uh, trust you guys built. Yeah, together. and how close you work with one another. How our uh, I don't know. You don't have that word. We don't have that word. But how organic, like we call it in Hebrew, organic you are to one another, and uh, mm-hmm. truly like uh, really know. Neeman in Hebrew. Uh, not Neeman is like uh, really get you know the intimate acquaintance right. with one another. So you 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 have more synergy when you're operating right. together. So right. you could finish the same sentences when one of you sleeping. And exactly, exactly. This is uh, eight, this eight is exactly back. with the risk of thinking too much alike. I think uh, in our case, it's uh, it's uh, well optimized. Or, awesome. uh, like everything in uh, Japan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, it's really that, interesting. That's the gist of it. I think. Um, I think it's helpful. I think for any Israeli founding team at any stage, you know, that's engaging in this dilemma to think about. Okay, does the go-to-market necessitate it? Does does the founding team dynamics work to sustain kind of a multiple? you know, multi-geo uh, management structure. Yeah. I think that, then, you know, really another thought is that uh, w- one thing that I think founders should really take from that podcast is uh, sometimes you, you're telling yourself a story that it's working where it's not really working. Mm-hmm. Like in our case, with that experiment of having a go-to-market uh, in Tel Aviv. Now, prove it by the numbers that it didn't work. I can't really. Right, because a lot of the facts are like what you said. I was like, yeah, we have a big ecosystem of uh, American Israelis that they, and, and all, a lot of people that are fluently speak. But then if you really want to have, a, I think, a cutting edge uh, operation that is really optimized for uh, for your needs, it's very, very hard to, to pull it off from, uh, from here. So I think, uh, and, and a lot of the, many of the companies that uh, we are currently advising to, same goes. Be, it is our decision, especially when you have a bigger family here in Israel. It's right. like a, it's a it's a move that is tough, but I think again, most successful companies that have an inside sales motion, they end up opening an office somewhere. Let it be Europe right. or uh, uh, or New York. But uh, the, the, the interesting. One of the interesting takeaways is that it doesn't need to be a full field sales enterprise outbound motion. Just even even an inside sales even motion where, sales, there's, yeah, a, where sure. there's some human touch point. Sure, from very very hard to make it uh, sustainable. From right. not to, not to talk about like scaling it up here is is even more difficult. And I, I can't really think on you know successful examples. People back in the days used to give us uh, a panaya as an example, and we we used it as we wanted to avoid the relocation for uh, the first period of time. 
but it's not really uh, I, really good it's a great company i hear them as examples of many <laughs> many decisions many. like it you know many. a lot of great founders coming from there too exactly um, founders and executives but then at the same time i think something that worked for them does want us and i think it's uh, just uh, right. again once again it's uh, it's a complexity right. so i think we have a lot of companies growth companies in our portfolio similar scale to to yapo where it's actually surprising that there's no management yet in in the us and part of that was covid where there was some plans to go out there mm-hmm. in the last two years yeah. changed everything mm-hmm. potentially set a new reality that we could manage things abroad but i still think at a certain point you get to a realization like okay even if it's just for short term two three years to really establish the office establish the presence very necessary very necessary we then also maybe like uh, last angle that worth covering is like who else you're relocating in addition to the founders mm. right so I think that, you know, ideally, and by the way, from my experience, that never works. Like you, you're going to land there and you're going to start build the team with, uh, you know, people from, from the region. Again, right. let it be the UK or, or, or the US, like get people from the region. In our case, it's working to a limited extent, right? So we had to, uh, at a few given points in time, we had to relocate folks from, uh, uh, from Israel mm. And speaking of COVID relocations and how COVID changed reality, I think for managing large, again, large scales operations, like you can't do it remotely even in COVID, in COVID time. Right. So I think September 2020, just after, I don't know, seven months into, into COVID or mm-hmm. six months, half a year into COVID, we relocated uh, uh, Asaf, who's currently our CRO. Before that, we relocated, before COVID, we relocated our uh, CMO. To, to the U.S. To, from to Israel. The, to the U.S. Mm-hmm. For, from Israel. So after we've been semi-successful, I'll call it like that, with building a, kind of a top-notch uh, U.S.-based mm-hmm. uh, management from, from the talent that, that is there. We had for periods of time, we had again the VP sales in Utah, we had the VP sales mm-hmm. in New York, but really to get it to the next the level. Executive level. Yeah, we found ourselves growing up the talent here, like internal to the company and then relocate them to uh it's similar the to States. the to the the pattern that you and tomer did in the beginning where you got exactly. the, the new york office mm-hmm. and then one of you went out there mm-hmm. it's like two last random questions yotpo if i remember correctly it stood for something in the beginning yeah what, what was that yeah so um it, it was the your opinion the public opinion That's and ever, right. yeah, okay. ever since it's uh I think that, you know, when you're building a marketing stack, like a marketing platform for e-commerce, it can still stand for, because at the end of the day, we are, if it's, you know, how we are having those merchants communicating with their customers, mm-hmm. just run their loyalty programs, uh, use generated content for sure. I think we're that kind of company that helps you put your consumers as a merchant right. at the center. So that, that still applies. I should I think, think it's, it's a great example of how it's important not to, not to limit yourself to your name, to what you're doing, because yeah. if it was... You know, if you're coming to his call, for example, the people's opinion, then you would have limited maneuverability into what the product roadmap ends up looking like and how you tell the story. But exactly. Yapo means just about nothing that you could do anything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. And, but, but, but I think that, you know, the challenge still stands. Like once you're starting to get whatever name it is, um, I agree that if we would have called the review something, then, then it becomes harder. But kind of rebranding yourself every two years so people are really living in an awareness that you're selling more than what you used to sell, it's right. still a big challenge. It right. uh, doesn't matter how you call it. 
But yeah, probably like uh, every more generic name works for your uh, for yeah. your favor. I always like to think in my head that it's li- like from Lihiotpo, which I don't know if you ever thought that, but like to be here. We, which, we, we are pe- to be we, here right now. Uh, so we are people that it reminds them Yotpo Yomat, like the, the Yiddish uh, curse if you... Yotpo Yomat. Yeah, it's Russian, I think. Yeah. You know? Russian, yeah. But like Lihiotpo is like, Lihotpo. I'm just Lihiotpo, like, <laughs> to be here. Well, Awesome. Thank you so much for coming in. This well, has sure. been a Thanks lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Personal last question. If you weren't um, co-founder of Yotpo, high-tech entrepreneur in Israel, what's, what's your B-sides? What would you be doing? That's a good question. Something in between uh, like education probably or I, I had a agriculture. You, I had a feeling something, you were going to say education. Something around there. Yeah. yeah. I think my answer is education too. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. You're still doing a lot of educating in your current role, I'm sure. <laughs> You get For to sure. fulfill that. Agriculture, sure. I'm not sure how much, but... Uh, no, not too much. I'll show you some pictures afterwards. Amazing. Well, well thank, thank you. It's a problem now. Oh, right. It's like there's a lot of complications yeah. around how you can work the land in Israel this year, so... Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Omri, for coming in. Thank you for uh, having me. Hopefully this is helpful to the, some folks in the Israeli ecosystem and yeah. engaging in this conversation. And, yeah, uh, and everyone should feel free, like, shoot me a note if you have I was going to say, I won't give yeah. out your number, no, but uh, if you want me to, it's, it's 05. <laughs> Not the number, but the email, it's, uh, it's okay. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you again, and yeah, I hope to continue hearing great things about you and Tomer and, and the whole output team. For sure. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to The B-Sides, the podcast exploring the many tactical and strategic decisions taken by founders and operators at every step of the startup journey. Be sure to subscribe wherever you might be listening. And if you want to share any feedback, you can find me on Twitter at Ariel Sturman. Have a wonderful day.